0: When you look back over your life, you never think that you should be or can be where you are right now. For some people, it's a blessing. For some people, it's a curse. But as for me, I would have never thought that I'd be where I am right now. I count it all joy in spite of all obstacles, adversities, and difficulties. Yet here we are right now speaking into the lives of others. I count it as Hey what's up everybody You have reached the I'm Dealing With Broadcast I'm Sean your host And we'll be taking you through Plenty of taboo topics That men deal with On a daily basis We're going to go through Listen and deal with All these things together I know I've got to heal And I'm sure you have to heal too Or the man in your life needs to heal Stay tuned Fasten your seatbelt Hold on. Here we go. Okay, we're right back with another episode of I'm Dealing With. Um, last uh, podcast was episode number five when uh, that topic was talking about the day she left. What she is in your life. What is she in your life? That is last week's episode that was friday matter of fact that was friday the day she left if you have uh are starting to listening to this broadcast for the first time i would suggest that you go back and listen to some of the other episodes there are plenty of them dealing with the discovery there is you're safe now then after that there is don't tell nobody actually it's shh don't tell nobody Because we all have things in our life we just don't want people to know about. Let's just be honest. We got skeletons in the closet and sometimes they're still dead bodies. They're just bodies with flesh and everything on them, not even bones, you know. So uh, we deal with that. And we also deal with the curb. Uh, That was episode number four. The curb, man. Things in your life will put you on the curb. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about a couple different things, man. Um, This is one that uh, I would say really opened my eyes I mean you go through life and you you know as I talk about in discovery there are things that cause you to discover this thing but this one was dealing with reasoning and in this uh, particular time in my life um, I you know we hold on to a lot of things yeah we do we do we we men hold on to a lot of things and you know let's just be truthful There are some times that uh, all it takes is one time, especially for a man, you know, um, you know, we've been labeled as dogs. uh, We've been labeled as, you know, liars and cheats and this and that. And it's true because a lot of times we have done some things that have caused us to get those labelings. We've actually printed the tag, put them on our back, and then we get mad at people throwing the darts at us and read the tag label. You know, but we've given them that ammunition. It's our fault. Let's just be honest. We've done some stuff. But with a man, sometimes, uh, you know, we can leave and still be in the house. (laughs) Y'all didn't know that? We could leave and still be in the house, meaning our body can be present. But our mind is somewhere else. Why? Because there has been something that triggered us or made us decide that, you know what? Um, I don't want to physically leave. But in all honesty, my emotions, my love, my this, my that, it's already gone. And a lot of times that is due to um, trust. And the worst thing you could ever do to a man. lose their trust and how you generate that is when i as a man begin to tell you something that i think is very personal and i become transparent and vulnerable and you decide to tell somebody else once a man finds out about that he will never ever open up his heart to you ever again you've lost it and the sad part it is if he ever does decide to do that again it is taking you so much effort to get that back It's it's hard it's hard to get that back you know um, it's just one of those things you know women have their triggers men have theirs and one of ours is trust and in trust we find out that we can have preconceived notions about things uh, based upon what we think are the facts And sometimes the facts aren't really what they are. So there's a time in my life where I had to really uh, take a a, a complete inventory of myself. Not just, you know, if you listen to all this broadcast, it seems like I'm always taking inventory, right? But there are stages in your life where you think you're good, and then you find yourself going back to taking an inventory and really saying, you know what? I... I think I'm right on this but um, I just got told the truth and now the uh, the thoughts I've had for years now have to be dismantled the, the the pyramids and the buildings I've built up based upon what I thought were the facts now have to be torn down you know what do you do with that when you find out that you've built mount, monuments of nothing you've built monuments and you've built cities and countries based upon what you thought were the facts only to find out that everything you built your life on, everything you've built your thoughts on on your preconceived notions on is a lie or it's not even a fact. It's something you maybe you've drawn up in your own mind based upon history from somebody else and you've brought it into this new thing. And for me, at one point in my life, actually, there's two points, but I'm, I'm actually going to talk about both right here. And it's dealing with preconceived ideas, preconceived notions, because people in life have a preconceived notion. And how do I know? Watch this. Back in the day, if I was on the boardwalk with some of my boys, you know, you know how we used to do, you know, gentlemen, we it's very rare. We were by ourselves. We always had a buddy or two or three whatever and we would be on the boardwalk whether you were drinking your wine or your budweiser your coors light your Genuine draft um hey maybe a red bull but you know there wasn't red bulls back then so uh maybe a calistoga clearly canadian for all you older people you understand where i'm going with this walking down the boardwalk And I can uh, walk up to someone that I think may or may not be attractive. Somebody I might want to speak to. And the first thing they look at is your physique, what you look like. And I do understand, which is truth in that you do have to have some type of physical attraction. That's true. I I believe that because I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, you know, some people say, you know, beauty is what's on the inside, but sometimes some folks need to be turned inside out, right? Let's just be honest. They need to be turned inside out because they got all this beauty on the outside and it look like hell on the outside. You understand what I'm saying? You know, um, but then you have the opposite is true where you look great on the outside and you're a witch on the inside. Okay. Um, so a pretty key, preconceived notions many times we look at what we see and then based upon what we see we then um draw up these uh, um ideas in our heads that what's on the outside is what's on the inside or he's a nice guy but he's not attractive she's a nice woman but you know eh, she didn't look like this she didn't have that hourglass figure you know uh She's uh, too flat. She's too big. She's too small. You know, we draw up all these preconceived ideas based upon what we see. Again, gentlemen, you know, you are driving in a car and see someone walking, seeing somebody at a bus stop or you pull up in a parking space at 7-Eleven and you see a young lady or a, a teenager, some type of female that you're interested in speaking to. And the first thing she does, she looks at what you're driving. Because to her, what you're driving says something about your status to her, your status says, hey, he's got it together. He possibly has good credit. He drives a nice car, probably has a nice apartment or a nice house and he's got it together, which means. I'm good with this. However, if you pull up in a hoopty or a bucket or whatever the case may be, the, the preconceived notion is he's a thug or he's poor or he has no upbringing or all these things, right? <clears throat> Some of you guys know exactly where I'm going with this. And it happens more often than not. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. <clears throat> I'm going to try to make it uh, short as much as possible. I remember when I had met someone. And uh, at this time, uh, again, I'm just going to talk about for its time, because, you know, sometimes we all think we ball in a certain amount of time in our life, you know. And um, I had at the time I had two cars. And again, you guys heard my last episode, my buddies, I had three of them, um, Cedric, Will and Kenan. Um, the one I wrote with the most, if it wasn't Will, it was Keenan. So it was between those two. Um, Cedric and I, we rolled together a lot. Um, we did a lot of different things together. However, he also had things that he was a part of as well. I mean, he was a part of a, a men's group. He was in a, 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 a group that sang. So he was a singer too. So a lot of times he also had another group that he was a part of. So when we spent the... T- time together we had that quality time but when we weren't together i had will and Keenan, right so during this time again i thought i was you know uh um what was i maybe twenty, twenty-one. okay so i thought you know at that time you know yeah i was living at home <clears throat> yeah you know that's not a good deal but guess what yeah i was living at home i was okay i had my own gig was doing my own my own job had my own stuff And uh, was saving money, worked on my car, worked on everybody else's car. So I made money that way, too. So that was my side hustle doing um, sound for them. So I put in their radios, I build them their speaker boxes, wire up their sound, and we would compete in uh, cardio competitions. That's how I also won my my side hustle money, was winning cardio competitions. And then, of course, to them, because I actually had, believe it or not, I used to have a bunch of gang members in my yard. A gang of them. I'd have a Crip, a Blood, a Mexican gang member, another rival gang member. I'd have somebody from Emerald Hills, somebody from uh, O'Farrell Park Banksters. I'd have somebody from Lincoln Park. And all of them, we'd all be strapped. I'm not going to lie, I did. I was too. Because I, I didn't put up with foolishness. But my house was considered a safety net. It was ground zero for no drama. So if you wanted your car worked on, you would come to the house, you would come to our neighborhood, park your car and you might meet up with um, your enemy. But in that yard, if you if you uh, came up with some drama, somebody's about to get taken out. That's just what that was. But there it was neutral, neutral, neutral. What you guys did out in the streets in another neighborhood, another territory. That's what that was. But that's how I made my other side money along with the job that I had. So I had, at the time, working on these guys, working on their sound systems so they can talk trash in the street. Well, my sound system's better than yours. Mine louder than yours. I can set off, you know, alarms in the next neighborhood. That's just what that was, okay? So, again, you guys know my Z story. I had Z. You know, I did end up rebuilding it. I did end up putting it back together. And it went from that blue color to the blue with the black ribbon down the side and it went from blue to red so now it's red and I've got red spokes got Dana's on it with the red eagle logos and in my mind balling out of control right that's just me that's just what that was but I ran across um a gentleman at my job he had a Mustang and uh and I was looking for, because again, I was driving my Z all the time. It was my daily driver. That's all I had. So it was parked at the job outside. It was parked at home outside, wherever I went. You you always saw it. So I'm like, oh, dang, you know, it'd be nice if I had something else. So this guy I was working with at the job, we worked in the same department and he goes, Hey man, remember you asked me about that Mustang? I said, I said yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, well, check this out this weekend. You know, I just bought a brand new Cobra. Now, for those of you, the Mustang fans, this was back in 1990. I would say 1990. Yeah, 1990, 1991, somewhere around there. Uh, The Mustang Cobra came out, right? It was a nice, you know, for that time, it was a bomb car. But his older car was a Mustang 5.0. And um, his wife said she got tired of him dumping money into this car. Now, to me, to me, I'm not saying to anybody else, but to me, it was a 1985 Mustang 5.0 hatchback with the 5.0 liter engine in it. It had the four barrel Holley carburetor and five speed transmission. To me, for its time, it was—I mean, it was clean, but it wasn't even the GT model. It was the LX 5.0. So all you did, you did see the the twin uh, tailpipes out the rear, but it was a clean look. I mean, it was absolutely, um, you know, a, a, a sleeper, if you want to call it that. And it was clean, but it was older. So he said, my wife already told me, man, uh, if I had one more problem with this car, I got to get rid of it. I was like, what? He said, yeah, man, we're, you know, I don't live too far from the beach. So we were on our way and heard this click, click noise every time I was driving. It's just like clicking, click, 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 click. He goes in and it just goes with the speed. I said, man, I said, Wow. He goes, but the interesting thing is it runs fine. The transmission's fine. Everything rolls good. And I said, hmm, really? He goes, yeah. I said, but it's still drivable, right? He's like, yeah. I said, what do you want for it? He goes, you know, I don't want too much money for it. I, I tell you what, just give me 400 You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I didn't have to think about that twice. I said, when can I come get it? Matter of fact, the shift was over. By the time we came back in the next morning, because I was working day shift at the time, by the time we came back in the next morning, I put $400 in his hand. And I said to him, you schedule a time when I can come and come pick up the car. So I had a tow truck come all the way out there. I think he lived near Claremont Mesa or wherever it was to come get this car. We towed the car from his area back to my neck of the woods. It sat up for a while and I couldn't figure it out. I drove it, drove it, tried to figure it out in the neighborhood. Just, you know, not going anywhere. But it ran fine. It started fine. It had power. It was still uh, burning out and screeching and snatching gears. And I'm like, but what is that click clicking noise? So in comes my father. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because I know y'all probably laughing. Go, oh, yep, yeah, yeah, we heard the story about pops. Here we go. Yeah. So here comes my father. He comes from work He's like what is this What is this in my yard I said hey pops I just picked up this five zero. You can't be having no projects up in here I'm like pop I said it's a 5 I said it runs and everything He's like what How much you pay for this It's amazing You can come up with money to do that." You know Oh man I was I got to start getting the speech right So I say to him I said look Pops So here So here, here Here's the um, The situation So Mind you, when my younger days, my younger, younger, younger days, he was, I always called him dad, but in even right around 18, 19, 20, whatever, he became pop to me. So if you hear me say pop, understand that's still, even today right now, uh, that's what I call him, pop. Okay, so I say, hey, pop, but look, I started up and he goes, okay, I said, and it makes noise though when I drive it. So he goes, well, put it up on jack stands. I want to I wanna check it out. So he put it up on jack stands. So and I rev it up. He goes, do you hear it when it's idle? I, I said, no. So he's listening to it. He's like, nope, it's not an idle. He said, put it in drive. I said, okay. So I put it in first gear, let off the clutch and let it go. And let the back tires just kind of spin while it's up in the air. And there's nothing. He goes so, but you only hear it when it's driving, like down the street. I said, "Yeah." So he said, "Okay, I want you to put it back down, and then drive it, and then see uh, what the deal is." I said, "Okay." So I drove it, click, 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 click hold it, and, and I made sure nothing was turned else turned on, no AC, no radio, no nothing. I wanted to make sure you hear what this click click. And it was basically. From what I heard inside the car, it was right behind the stick shift transmission. So what I did was I parked the car back in the driveway, looked at the stick shift, and I opened up both doors. And I stood at the side of the car and stooped down and looked at the stick shift and then went all the way down until I was underneath the car to see what was there. And the only thing I think of was the shaft. I'm like, well, why would a drive shaft? He goes, you know what? I can tell you right now. I know what it is. And I guarantee if you go spend this uh, $7, it'll fix your problem. And at the time, I don't think it was $7. I think it was $4.99. <clears throat> so I said, so what do you think it is? It's your U-joint. He said, the U-joint and the knuckle where the drive shaft goes into the transmission. He goes, that first drive shaft right there. He goes, I mean, the first U-joint right there. Replace the U-joint and that knuckle. He said, and I guarantee you that'll solve your problem. I said, are you sure, Pop? I'm like, but still, it's gonna be hard. He said, I can tell you right now, replacing a U joint is gonna take you from the time you take out the drive shaft, take out the old U joint, put the new U joint in, it's gonna take you about 45 minutes. Maximum. He goes, if you can't do it then, then uh, you know, do you want me to come out and do it for you? <laughs> so hopped in my other car, took off to a uh, part supplier. Went and got the U-joint, brought it back. And sure enough, it took me, actually, I did it in 32 minutes. Took out the drive shaft, disconnected the knuckle, pulled out the, uh, the old U-joint, put the new one in, and put everything back in, had it done, and thir- drive shaft back, connected. 32 minutes. Backed out the car, took off up the street. I'm in mean, silence there was no noise at all and i'm like my goodness so my 404 dollar car became my daily driver so now i have this z and i have this mustang 510 so i'm at this spot in my z and i just washed it had my uh car club uh paraphernalia on you know my clothing my hat da, 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 da. and I'm just gonna be honest I'm banging like um like it's nobody's business out the trunk I mean I'm banging I got two 15s in the rear dual Orion XTRs or DVC boy voice coils and I mean I'm killing it so much so the windshield wipers are jumping off the windshield literally and I'm just killing it and again you know I'm I'm thinking I'm balling right so I'm just killing it so I see somebody and I just kind of look I was like okay you know no big deal so I parked he met up with a couple of my guys and we we're just chatting still had the music playing even though the car wasn't running and this individual walks up and goes hey you know this that and the other gives me their name and I'm like okay you know whatever so to make a long story short uh we exchanged numbers or should I say I ended up getting her number um, and then I gave her a code because that was the day of pagers. y'all know what time it is pages uh your code is 32 <laughs> okay so again pagemark page net people y'all know what I'm talking about. you know what I'm screaming So gave her a code and and this that and the other and uh, decided that we were gonna meet up at a later date. So, you say through a couple phone calls, whatever case may be, I go and meet her. But I pull the okie doke. So, again, remember I said preconceived ideas. You think what you see is who they are. What she saw was something that was shiny, it was red, it was blinging, it had chrome, yada 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 and look nice and in their eyes they figured i look great as a co-pilot sitting in the passenger seat with my windows down you know what she was right but that's not what i want wanted to do i wanted to test her mind and where her heart was so i pulled the okie doke. so it's time to meet up we're um we we're supposed to meet I was supposed to go pick that individual up at a certain time. So what I decided to do, I don't take the thing she saw me in. I take the $404 I just got bought. (laughs) I sure did. Y'all probably think to yourself, you shady. But you know what? I did. That's exactly what I did. I took that $404 Mustang. Um, But again, it was clean. It was a clean Mustang. No dents. Uh, No interior scratches It wasn't um, No cracks in the dash Wasn't no paint fading inside on the dash None of that I mean it was clean The paint on the outside was It was decent But you can tell it was kind of fading a little bit on the hood But not bad All right. So I show up In the Mustang And I walk up to the door Ring the doorbell Because For those of you that don't do it that don't do what I just did just now by getting out of your car and walk up. Now, some of these new generation folk, they will now text their person. I'm out front and then wait for them to come to the car. That is garbage. I was taught that you got out of the car. You walked up to the door. You rang the doorbell. You shook whoever's hand because it could be the mother, father, sister, brother. You don't know who it is, but that was called respect. And if you're not doing that and you are texting that person to come outside or you're honking the horn, what kind of ghetto garbage is that? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know the song. So I walked to the doors and um, somebody else answered. I said, Hello, I'm so and so. I'm here to pick up so and so as we're going out. And I didn't get drilled. It was just, you know, where are you going? What time are you going to be back? Type of, you know. So. As they come to the door Because I didn't even go in I just stood at the doorstep And they come Walking outside We talk And as we're walking back down The steps She sees the car And she's like Um Where's your car at? I said oh it's right here She said no no, Stop playing That's not your car I said yeah it is It's my car Um But I saw you on something else I said Huh? Huh? That is my car right here she's like no but i met i met you in another car remember i saw you in a red car um it was real nice and da, and i smiled and i said what oh that red z yeah you know that was my boy's car my boy kenan so what had happened was he wanted to um, drive my Mustang that day because he was trying to be incognito. So I said, cool, um, let me take your Z and you can take my Mustang and we'll just swap cars for the day. And you know, whoop-de-whoop, we just, you know, I said, cause me and my boy, we do that all the time. The truth was we do do that all the time. But at the time, I believe, let's see what one, what car did, of the twenty cars that Keenan have Keenan he would change he would change cars like draws. Man, he'd have a car every week in his name. He would just meet people and trade. He'd go from a Beamer to a truck, from a truck to a such and such, and and he never downgraded. It was always upgrade. He had a Maxima, he had a truck, he had an Astro, he had a this, he had a that. So I believe then during this time he had an Astro, the Chevrolet Astro, and I mean that thing was banging. And what I mean by that, he had dual, he had four uh, quad uh, 12s in the trunk, Sirwin Vegas. It was banging. In order to hear my stuff, I had to put him in front of me just to hear my music inside my car. He had to be in front of me at least 150 feet for me to hear my own music. You know what kind of garbage that is. My junk was loud and I won competitions, but his stuff. Oh, my God. I can hear him four neighborhoods over that's how loud his stuff was and if he was ever behind me forget it i might as well just turn my music off and go for the ride just ask him to play the next track <laughs> that's what that was so <laughs> so i so i told her i said look oh, yeah that's my boy you know i was keenan yeah so i i finally got my car back so i gave him back you know his z and uh yeah so we rolling in the mustang really that's what you have this is really your car I'm like Yes truthfully It really is my car I got it, uh, at the, And I believe at this time I had owned it about a couple weeks About two Maybe three weeks Maybe almost a month But it was about You know three weeks Oh So I said so you still di- We still good right Yeah 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 I, I, I guess we I guess we good But at least the The interior is clean And you know And I kid you not i kid you not just the response alone i should have kicked that chick to the curb just like that i should have you know but she was fine you know <laughs> it is yeah. damn you know 19 20, 20 years old 2021 20, whatever that is but 20 yeah 20 you know you but you're like <sighs> i should have known she was a witch that's just what it was and you know what And the truth came out. She was a witch. However, your boy got hurt. I got dogged. That's just what it was. Okay. But again, preconceived notions, it happens. Brothers, guys, girls, it happens. And it's very important that we don't draw preconceived notions based upon what you see automatically. I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk earlier today, Gary V. And one of the things he talked about was people who live beyond their means. They, and many times they live beyond their means to prove to somebody else that they've made it. But they're proving to people that they don't even like and wasting their time to prove to them that they're better than what they really are. And it happens. And I've just, I had decided, I'm like, you know what? I like, don't get me wrong. I do like stuff to a point. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. At a younger, age, yeah, I like the floss and flow show, all that. I want to run with the big dogs. You know, I, I, how can I get to the yams? You know, how can I get to the catfish? You know, I want I want everything that everybody's got. I want to flow just like them. That's, that's what that was. And I, I did that. But in the process of doing that and trying to uh, appease others, many times you're appeasing and trying to appeal to people that you don't even like. Why do we do that? Why? Why do we waste our time going into debt and doing all these different things to prove to people we don't even like that we made it when in actuality, if you had no credit right now, none, you would not drive the car that you drive. You would not live in the house that you live in or the type of apartment or neighborhood that you live in. If you threw credit out the window and just try to make it upon your own successes without credit, without any type of credit. You can't use that. Hey, we're going to offer you twenty five thousand dollars for an interest rate of blah, 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 blah to do. Oh, do that, that that Or we're going to offer you five hundred. How would you then do what you do? I know everybody's not like that, but it happens. So, my pre- preconceived notions for me that I did, you know, I'll have, you know, I, I just pointed out one that was pointed at me, their pre- preconceived ideas at me. But my preconceived notions was not about anybody externally outside of my household. Mine was about my brother. And my father. Stand by for more. All right. So, yeah, it was dealing with both my brother and my father. So at the same at the age of 18, um, you know, I had been at this time I had been without my brother for several years. And um, I had to make I had to make more brothers, and what I mean by that, I had to find brothers that replaced him. And mind you, when he left, we he didn't we didn't leave, or should I say, he didn't leave with both of us being on good terms. Meaning, as much as I looked up to him as being my elder brother, there was um, animosity between the both of us. I had great animosity toward him. He had animosity toward me. So, but by the time he moved back home, he had been gone 16 years by the time he moved back home. But within those 16 years, I had to find my own way. You know, it's hard to find your own way when something you've had has been taken, moved on, maybe has died in your life. Um, maybe have left you as a previous episode, you know, put you on the curb. So, but yeah, but he had left. And the reason why he had left was at first he went to the Air Force Academy and from the Air Force Academy came back. He went back to uh, go to school. He drove for uh, late law uh, school buses, did his own thing. I mean, awesome dude, right? And then later on he decided, said, hey, I'm going to get into civil engineering. So then his focus became, how can I, you know, what place can I go to, to get the type of skill, the trade and schooling I need? and he ended up going to a place in the state of Michigan. So he left. I mean, he like, he gone, he has gone, right? He left. Um, but I knew where he was going because he was going to stay with our family because we had family also in Michigan in the, in the city of Flint. So he's going to stay with them and then uh, periodically commute, depending upon his schedule, is go from Flint into, I believe it was either Detroit or Southfield, wherever um, the school was, and stay on campus for a little bit, or before the, he stayed on campus, is coming back. So he's gonna go back and forth for a little bit. So times are tough. you know. Um, again, you go from having something that you don't like to not having anything and many times we as the saying goes you don't miss the water till the well runs dry so at the age of 18 during this time he had been gone i believe it was three three years at this time i think it was roughly two to three years i was 18 years old and um i'm i was going through i was on a job um at this time and uh I had just turned 18 and uh, hung out. But let's see, I'm trying to figure out how this went. Um, my parents actually want me to take the time off. Uh, my supervisor at the time said, Yeah, you're good. Go ahead and take the time off. And then, so I celebrated my uh, 18th birthday with my family. And I, and I think that was the time to throw a party or something like that for me, for my first party I ever remember. And um, from there, I went back to work And then they tried to fire me I mean no I'm not going to say tried They did they fired me saying That I decided to do a no call no show Hot garbage Hot okay You know what garbage smells like Well this was hot garbage Okay so come to find out Went back down there Even my father said look let me talk to that supervisor Because we did all the things necessary right So They found out I wasn't I was completely in the right I did everything I was supposed to you know my father even spoke up said look this is was, he wasn't just taking it. we asked him to and he followed through he talked to so-and-so because the other this guy wasn't there he decided not to come into work so he talked to so-and-so da. so what ended up happening was one supervisor didn't discuss it with the other one that's what happened so I ended up getting my job back blah 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 but then it became um uh, Like, um, we're coming back at you now. Now we just, you know, like retaliation, you know, that word retaliation. So I worked there. I stayed there for a little while. And then I just finally said, you know, I'm tired of it. Right. So I left, I left. And then there was a manager, a big manager. He, I think he was a VP there at the time. He used to drive past our house every day and he would stop and talk to myself and my dad. And my, I knew him on first name basis, my dad knew him on a first name basis, and real good dude, his name was John Putris. Real good dude. And um, he said, uh, I would definitely love for you to come back to work, man. Um, you don't have to work for that dude, just come work for me. I'll bring you back and get you on a, but I'm just gonna be honest with you, I really, I was kinda done, you know what I'm saying? So, at a point in time, I had a discussion with my brother her my brother had mentioned, saying, you know what, you should come out and come hang for a little while. And I'm not going to I can't say that I was like totally geeked about it, but I wasn't against it either. Because I knew that if worse came to worst, you know, I knew I was flying in and I would at least get to hang out with my other family, which were my cousins, you know, Benita and all them and be able to hang because Benita and I were the same age. You know, that was my road dog, you know, as far as uh, ladies go, you know, and we were the same age. And I said, you know, at least I'll be able to hang out my cousin we can do some things. And then at the time, there was a there's another there was a girl there that I was kind of interested. And so it, re- it was kind of a win win. Right. But. So I go, I go, I go out there and I, I'm in Flint for a while. And then I end up uh, with my brother. And at this time, my brother was on campus at the college so he stayed in the dorm so the, during this particular time school was closed because i believe it was like summer whatever the case may be but my brother was still in the dorm which was cool so we end up having the whole dorm showers and all that kind of stuff because he, didn't, <laughs> this is wild so i know some of you probably experienced this but yeah so the showers weren't even inside your room dorm area you actually had to go down the hallway And go to the showers To go shower Right But the beauty is I mean It was just us there In this particular area I mean that we knew So it was kind of cool But what ended up Happening was Was this You know We went shopping And did some things And just hung out Uh, Got a chance to meet His friend Who became my friend But it's his best friend Lynn Um, But One night In the dorm Something happened and I don't remember how it broke out, but a huge argument began between my brother and I, it was a huge argument. And what happened was a simple fact that, um, again, going back to the preconceived ideas, he had some about me. I had some about him and mine were, Oh, he's a, he's the oldest. He gets everything. Oh my God. You know, he's just the, the favorite. He's, um, he's the 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 name to the family my father's name Joel his father was named Joel and now my son is named Joel and he's the oldest oh he's a valedictorian oh he's he held a job and, and also got 4.0 grade point average oh and he's this and oh he's that that's that's what i heard you know it was always that type of deal and i'm like oh my god why well, he's like the token right And that's just kind of, I'm like, he's like the dude that everybody supported. But if I ask for anything, he's like, nah, nah, don't leave that dude alone. Nah, we good. You know, so I had these, I had these preconceived ideas, right? I mean, like, and it was messing me up for for most of my life. I'm like, oh, I hate it. I hate the simple fact that, that in conversation, here's how, um, when people ask about the family, let me demonstrate to you how the family goes. Hey, how's the children going? Well, You know, Tanisha, she's doing an awesome job, you know. She's just a baby. You know, she's accomplishing things and this and that and the other. And, you know, Joel, you know, he just finished high school, went off to college, and he's doing such and such and such. And, you know, his plan is to be blah, 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 blah. You know, yes, he did come back from the Air Force Academy, but I'm glad he got in. Do you know how many people don't get into the Air Force Academy? But even though he returned and decided to do buses, he is now back at the school doing college. I mean, doing an awesome job. And, you know, Sean, you know, he's just being Sean. You know how that is. I mean think about it how would you feel okay so that's where i was i was like what the hg double hockey sticks is this you know it, it, it was corn i mean it was straight corn all right um yeah so whatever broke out it, it however broke out so it went to the point where i'm like on you know what i'm getting and i told him I, you know and i can't say everything that i actually said and not because it has any colorful words in it because it didn't have colorful words in it but as far as verbatim is what i'm saying but what i did say to him that i know in this uh attitude this language is what i said basically dude i'm getting sick of uh one of the things i always hated about you is a simple fact that you're like everybody's token everybody seems to love you everybody supports you if you ask for anything even my even our parents help you get a car i didn't help me get a car your parents helped you do such and such. And when you got your car stolen, I said, I it wouldn't, even give me, it wouldn't help me lend me money. Matter of fact, they asked me for money for bills. Did you, they, and I'm like going, you know, the church loves you. And again, like I said, we came from a, a big church environment. So I went through all these different things that I just hated. I'm like going, you know, and then your, your dad's namesake. And it's like Joel over everything else. Joel over. I'm like, that's hot garbage. And I hated it. And I just kind of began telling him everything I hated. And it, you're just like so straight laced got to do everything by the book Everything this and this and this I said I can't I just can't stand it You know and then you refuse to think out the box You refuse to da 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 And I hated it I mean I hate And I hated him for the way Literally I'm going to say this one more time I hated him For the way people treated me <laughs> How about that And we can't control other people's actions, but I used him as my scapegoat for how I was feeling based upon how everybody else treated me. So the rest of the conversation went like this. And by this time, I'm crying. He's crying because he's getting mad. Now, see, for those of you that don't see, he's not a um, uh, uh, he's not a firecracker. He's one of those that is like, wait a minute, who you think you talk to? You know, he, which is cool, but then he builds up to this, and then all of a sudden, boop, explode, right? And I was ready for the explode. I'm like, it's about to be on and cracking day, right? So, but I finally said, no, I told him, finally, shut up, listen to what I'm saying. He, and he had this look on his face like, no, you didn't, little fella, no, you didn't. I knew that look. <laughs> And look like that look was like yo behind as grass, right? <laughs> I knew that look. But I'm like, no, let me finish, right? So I finished and kept on saying what I had to say. And I'm crying because, you know, when I get mad, you know, I get teary eyed and I turn red. And um, you know, I don't like to I'm not one of those that likes to be upset. Because when I'm upset, you know, I can control things to a point until i get into explosion mode and explode and in explosion mode nobody needs to be around that i've never been there which is why i don't ever like to be there i try to get out of that before okay so just just a tip so everybody has their moment right everybody has a breaking moment and how you deal with those moments matters so and i was crying and 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 i was upset i was loud and and uh, uh, I was black. <clears throat> yes, I, can. I was black in that moment. I, I was. I was very colorful. Not necessarily in language because out of respect, you know. Um, but I was very colorful in what I had to say. So finally, he goes, you done? Now you shut up and let me talk. So here's what he said to me. You hated me, but I couldn't stand you. He goes, you know how many nights it took me that I'd have to um, study until two, three and four o'clock in the morning just to get up at five and six o'clock in the morning to leave to go catch the bus to study to possibly get an A on my test. He said a lot of time you didn't do no homework. You didn't do this. You would even just guess and look at the answers and, and you come home with a B and you wouldn't do anything. He goes, you could look at stuff in schematics and without reading the instructions and know how to put the stuff together just by looking at things. But yet I had to read the whole manual just to understand what goes where he goes. You have a thing to where you have a, a site where you can see stuff and know exactly how to put it together. Whereas for me, I actually have to read the instructions to get an understanding. So he went through this whole thing. And I never knew all my life that while I was envious of him, he was envious of me. So in that there was dissension, if you want to call it dissension in the ranks, there was envy in the ranks, there was strife in the ranks because for years there were unresolved issues based upon preconceived ideas, pre- preconceived notions. But in that moment, in that moment, after listening to him and him listening to me, we got a good understanding of who we both were. We were both gifted in our own unique areas, but we had to then learn to respect the giftings in each one of us. Where you're short at, I pick up. Where I'm short at, he picks up. And in life, you're going to go through areas where somebody's going to be more gifted in the area where you're weak. You can't get mad at that. But yet still, you're going to be more gifted in areas where other people are weak. And we can't draw or draw preconceived notions based upon what you think uh, that you think are the facts. When in actuality, we build the, again, these monuments of nothing based upon things of what we think. And the only way of getting around the ideas or um, creating non-valid facts is to sit down, break bread and have communion together, commune with each other. There's nothing wrong, man, to see somebody that you may be interested in, but then don't look at what they have, man or woman, and determine who they are. Because I've seen plenty of people that have a whole lot, but they have nothing internally. Internally, they're bankrupt. Their credit score is negative 700 internally. They have nothing to bring to the table. But then I've seen people that do not have a whole lot. Might even drive a Yugo. Y'all remember the Yugo, Yugo alone the Yugo or smart car or, or a, a Prius or whatever it is that you may think that is nothing of of substance, but because they're minimalist people and believe in living beneath their means, they have a lot more stored up both economically, socially and everything else. And they have something down on their spirit man as well. But because we look at the outward we preconceive or have preconceived notions of who they are inwardly never man or woman should you ever just look on the outward experience the appearance of anyone or look at what they have relationships sometimes are based upon preconceived ideas during that same process at the time of 21 I had the same discussion with my father and I can say that I'm actually at the age of 20. So it was actually the age of 21. I started calling on pop at the age of 20, but at 21, I had a conversation with my father, kind of all, all along the same lines of my brother, but very respectful. There was no way I was gonna to talk to my father like I talked to my brother. I wouldn't be here today if I did. My father, you already know, had them arms. He, he touch you, he reach out, touch somebody. You know, he believed, uh, he used to tell us he believed in only one punch. It was basically, or two hits. It was him hitting you, you hit the floor. That was just what that was. He called it a one hitter quitter. And there is no way I was going to uh, come with an argument slash a discussion with my father in the same type of instance I had with my brother. So my discussion with my father went like this. I don't even like you right now. I can't stand you. Who, who, you know, who you can't, who you going to talk to? You know, who? I, you know, my mom was there. Thank God for my mom. I wouldn't be here. My mom said, honey, hush, just let him talk. Baby, do you hear him? honey let him talk and he let me talk again crying and sobbing and I began to tell him everything that he wasn't to me as much as I love my father as much as I love my dad my pop I had issues because my father was in the home but I felt I lacked a father he supported my brother but not me My mother was everything to me. He helped me look for the parts, helped me look for my bicycle parts, took me to the swap meets and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But my father, he mimicked what he saw, which was his father. His father went to work. Father came home, brought home the money, made them sure the lights were paid, made sure the rent on the roof was paid, made sure everything stayed on. That was my father. That was the way he showed love to the family. But for me, I wanted somebody that would throw the ball with me. I wanted somebody that would help me build a skateboard, help me build a bike. I wanted somebody to help throw the football and maybe play basketball with me, take me to the beach and throw the Frisbee, maybe uh, help me um, build sand castles in the sand. I didn't have any of those memories, none, still don't. That's what I wanted in the father. So these are all the things I was bringing to the table based upon how I felt he should have been toward me and what I didn't get. A whole lot of complaints. I'm just going to be honest. I complained a whole lot. And he listened to me. So I had all these preconceived ideas. And he began to speak. And one of the things that before he spoke was I brought about my alcoholism. I wasn't a smoker. Never had smoked. Never held anybody's cigarettes. Wasn't in the weed. But I was heavy in alcohol, Any whatever that was. Okay. And um and during that time in my life, um, I'm just gonna be transparent and I'll say this. I was drinking two forties and a pint of twenty twenty in ten minutes to myself and not even getting a buzz. Not a buzz. And I was good. And was looking for more. And what was and, and and I'll just say this: If you're into smoking um, uh, weed or whatever that is, if you're into drugs or if you're into alcohol, you'll never get that first high, that first drunk, that first such and such ever again, and you're always chasing it. Don't chase it because you'll never find the first hit. You'll never find that first drunk. You'll never find that first buzz. Okay, just word of thought. So when he says this to me, and he begins going about how he was raised and what he was up against. He said, son, I never knew. My father uh, went to work. My father went here, you know, at the fire station, and he did this and this and that. And he worked several jobs, and there was five of us, and my father came home every night. He paid for this and that. You know, I didn't have any of those memories with my father. My father didn't play the ball with me, and my father didn't do such, 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 but he was always there. He goes, and that's what I thought a father was supposed to be. He goes, and for that, I didn't know you needed this, that, and the other. I didn't know you needed somebody to play with. I didn't know you needed. Such. I said, and I told him, I said, yeah, but what about that time you was on your way to church? Now, for again, going back to church, because church was paramount in our family. It still is. It's paramount in our family. And because he was a deacon, he was a minister, he was an organist, he was a such. He had all kind of titles. I felt the titles came before me so i said remember the time you were on your way to bible class because you didn't want to be late and this kid is in our own front yard beat me up and you all you said all right boys stop playing you took off in your car and left while i was still getting beat up in the front yard do you remember that he was, i don't even remember i said that's my point he cried i was already crying you know he cried as he explained himself but it was only then when i began to listen to everything that he said based upon What was modeled in front of him. That I understood. That I understood him. That I understood his love for not just me, but for the family. And he was only modeling what was modeled in front of him. It was at that point that I made the decision, if I ever become a parent, I want to first be to my children something that I never got. So, for those of you that know that I'm a big kid, there's a reason for that. I want my children to know that I'm out there playing basketball with. them. I'm throwing a football with them. Yeah, I'm your big, I'm in your corner. I'll be at the soccer games. I'll be at the football game. I'll be at your gymnastics, your cheerleading game. I don't care if it's Girl Scouts. I don't care if we need to go to the beach and da-da-da. And believe it or not, I have all those experiences with them. And I have yet to miss out on anyone, especially in their younger years, any award assembly ever that they've ever received ever in their lives. My mother came to mine. But I've been to all my children's. Anything that my children talk to me about that they're interested in, I try to find a way to make it happen. I try to find a way to love them. I try to find a way to support them, even in their bad decisions that I don't agree with. I don't agree with your decisions, I don't agree with where you're headed, or you've already made a decision and here's the consequences, then my thing is now, now where do we go from here? What is the plan? What is this? What does this look like? How does this happen? How can we get the train back on the tracks? And at any time in your life, you'll actually find out and go through and deal with the simple fact that there will be people in your life, both family, loved ones, extended family, friends, that are not gonna agree or not like you or even turn their back on you when you make a bad decision. It happens. Not everybody's always always gonna be in your corner even when you make a bad decision say, hey, this was wrong, but I tell you what, Um, here's what we can do to get you back on track. Some people will leave you out there to drive when you make a bad, when you make a mistake. So they will turn their back on you. They'll talk about you on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and everything else that goes along with it. And might even do a video on you on YouTube because you made a mistake. Because they're worried about their news going viral. Their job is to bring the news to the people, but not help you through your crisis. Don't ever develop a preconceived idea without spending time with people. Spending time with your children, your mom, your dad, that significant other, your your buddy, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever that is. Develop a relationship and just begin to understand that, hey... You know, I want to know you. I want to know you in your strengths. I want to know you in your weaknesses. I want to know your up, your uh, uprisings and your downsides. I want to know you in all these different things. I don't want to develop a preconceived idea based upon what I think is and develop a whole nation based upon what I think and not on what I know. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it profitable and very valuable. Look forward to speaking to you next time. Again, we will come out every Monday and Friday with a new episode. Be blessed. And until then, this is Sean, your host at I'm Dinner.